The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Archaeology is often viewed as a fascinating, eclectic, and ultimately quaint pursuit. This program explores archaeology from the perspective of professionals who demonstrate that in the 21st century, archaeology and its sub-disciplines may hold the key not only to our past, but to our present and future. Welcome to Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with your host, Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. Spend the next hour exploring where we came from and where we're headed with a leading researcher and practitioner in the field. Now, here is Dr. Schuldenrein. Good evening from here in New York City. This is Joe Schuldenrein with another episode of Indiana Jones Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology. We have been talking extensively over the past years about the need for the message of archaeology to be transmitted to a broader public, to a greater listenership, and because of funding issues and because because of the fact that the public is increasingly bearing the responsibility of uh, funding archaeological work, there is an outreach program that has started over the past 10 or 15 years, unlike what we've ever seen before, and of course with the emergence of social media, and those types of networks, the ability to communicate these messages have only increased and will continue to do so. Uh, I suppose one of the real high watermarks that we've had so far is that PBS has picked up an archaeology program that is stands in market contrast to some of the History Channel's operations, the Diggers program, one that actually is promoting the message of scientific archaeology, and it is a program that has been in some large measure funded by the National Science Foundation. And as a very special opportunity that we have today, I have three of the leading figures in this program, and they will explain exactly how the program uh, started. I would like to introduce them briefly and have them uh, explain uh, their archaeological and general background. So I'm pleased to welcome uh, Alan Macca. Alan, can you tell us a little bit about how you got started in archaeology and what you see your objectives in this program? Uh, I got started in archaeology thinking about the origins of human consciousness uh, back when I was in college. And from there, started going on, on digs whenever I could, especially uh, digs looking for very old humans or early humans, and then moving into the study of human communities and how we organize ourselves and the sort of consciousness that, uh, that takes place in there. Now I work in an ancient Maya city in Honduras when, uh, when we're not working for Time Team America on PBS. And Chelsea Rose? I'm a historical archaeologist at Southern Oregon University, and um, I wanted to be an archaeologist ever since I was a little girl, like I think a lot of kids. 
Um, and I, you know, spent some time exploring the world before I went to college and got into it, but I've been um, working away ever since, mainly in the Pacific Northwest, and I'm really fascinated by the Gold Rush era and the huge population waves that came into the, the West, the Wild West era, I guess, basically. So, <laughs> Meg Waters? Hi. Um, my background... I guess began when I ran into a ground-penetrating radar unit by accident on the island of Santorini uh, many years ago when I was working there one summer. And within 24 hours, I was just taken by the technology and its capability of being able to map what's underground without actually digging to give archaeologists you know, an idea of, of what might be down there and help them organize uh, by understanding a broad area, even a landscape, what may be in the ground, organize uh, how they excavate and um, how they may interpret a site. So my specialization really started on the technology side and applied technologies. So I work with all the remote sensing, satellite airborne sensors, as well as the ground-based geophysical surveys and like to incorporate uh, 3D laser scanning from terrestrial and airborne platforms et cetera, et cetera, all the technology for a, a uh, combined approach looking as much as we can non-invasively at a three-dimensional environment to guide our excavations. So we have a very wide and diverse uh, series of influences on your program, a uh, human origins person, a historic archaeologist, and a remote sensing expert. So, Meg Waters, I understand that you sort of are the engine behind this uh, <laughs> program, and you're the one that procured the funding, and how did you go about doing that? And how has it changed uh, from your original vision of what it was supposed to be to the way it's evolving right now? Uh, that's a really, really great and very, uh, very detailed uh, question and, and answer, so I will try to be brief. Um, I came on board in the very beginning of Time Team America because I know Tim Taylor, who is the creator of Time Team in England, uh, which has run for 20 years. It's no longer running and was very popular and brought a lot of information and education to the community in the United Kingdom, and it's shown worldwide as well. Um, and he called me one day, um, I had been working with him in England, and he called me one day and said, I'd like to take this to the United States. Do you know anyone that could, you know, do your role, the remote sensing? Because I was doing my Ph.D. in England at the time. Mm -hmm. And I told him, well, I just finished my degree and I'm going home, so I'll do it. <laughs> so um, I was involved kind of in the very first meetings. He took this to PBS himself, uh, the concept, and he spoke with Oregon Public Broadcasting, and they were very excited about the idea. And through um, for the first season, we had a really great crew on board, very diverse uh, archaeologists with, with different backgrounds. And it was funded at that point uh, through PBS and Tim Taylor's production company in England and a few other sources. Uh, we filmed five programs in the first series. And then um, the economy crashed, and money was very scarce. Yeah, this was uh, 2008. Yeah, 2008. Yeah, yeah, right. I was going to ask you that. Yeah, obviously 2008, so your timing yeah. was pretty, pretty bad. Yes, and so I think, you know, our very high hopes and excitement with the program, um, the high hopes stayed. It all stayed, but the funding was rather elusive until one of the uh, people at uh, Oregon Public Broadcasting, Toulon uh, Spitz, who's the um, 
she's their grant writing person, thought, you know, I really think we can fund this through an NSF grant and, and um, brought Chelsea on board and myself and, and, a, and a lot of the original archaeologists to help put together a grant applying to not TV or media, but applying to an, an NSF grant for informal science education. So how to engage underserved youth in the science, technology, engineering, and mathematics principles and disciplines. And what we came up together with was the um, concept of using archaeology as a gateway to science. And that's really how we, we launched into our second season with that funding from the grant from the NSF, really focusing, one, the public broadcasting concept of education and um, providing information to the public, we focus that down to the STEM principles, the underlying science of archaeology, which is just perfect, I think, for a TV show because we've got great methods, great science, all sorts of interesting uh, analyses and tests that we do, um, the way we develop our hypotheses, our communication. But, you know, that, that's linked into that scientific base, the humanities, and these great stories and amazing information about our history and the culture and the past in the United States. Alan, how did you get involved with this operation? <laughs> with this operation, you make it sound <laughs> sketchy. It's not. Yeah, it's not sketchy. <laughs> I'm going to get to that in a minute. <laughs> uh, I, got, I got involved because I'd done some, uh, I'd done some, some TV work for Lucasfilms and then for the History Channel down in uh, Honduras uh, at Copan, Honduras. And uh, I know they were wanted to make a second season, and they were looking for another cast member and I guess I got lucky. They, I, they saw my reels and called me in, did an audition and the uh, rest is history, so to speak. It's not <laughs> and, uh, and it's been a blast, really. And Chelsea, what about you? Um, one of the original Time Team members, Julie Shablitsky, um, was, I worked a lot with her at the University of Oregon um, and they, she gave them my number and I got a call um, when I was finishing grad school like a week before the first shoot. So kind of at the last minute I came on board. <laughs> I was going to, Alan had mentioned that uh, it sounds a little sketchy. Well, the, the question rises, I think a lot of our listeners would probably be very interested in whether or not the timing for this program coincided at least to some degree as sort of a backlash to the diggers programs and, as you know, uh, a sort of a mentality of pot hunting that sort of emerged in, in the wake of that. Anybody have any thoughts on that? Uh, Chelsea, do you... Uh yeah, you know, unfortunately, we were um, really working on it at the time of all that coming out, and it and it wasn't ready to air yet. And um, I was very frustrated that it couldn't air. In contrast to some of those shows that were coming out right when they were out, you know, we're still um, airing not too long after them. So hopefully, there'll be a lot of opportunity for people to, um, you know, see the very different approaches to the way, you know, archaeological. The science of archaeology is presented on screen, so and and hopefully, um, you know, it's kind of hard to compete when, uh, you know, when you're trying to show real science, which takes time, and there's no guarantee. You know, we didn't fake anything, so there's no guarantee of what we're going to find. Um, you know, so we just tried to really highlight the process and the story and and why we why we do it and how it can be really exciting and and the importance of what we do and how we do it, and hopefully, people will appreciate that. 
um, and really see that it's not just treasure hunting or at least that the treasure is something very different from what they thought maybe before going in. Um, that's that's yeah. exactly what I was trying to get to. Yes, Alan, mm-hmm. please. Well, there's a, you know, many of us are, are members of a, a national society, the Society for American Archaeology, and uh, it's a, there are thousands of members, um, most of us archaeologists. We have annual meetings where we exchange scientific data and, uh, and share these and so forth. Anyway, there have been many discussions at those meetings and among mm-hmm. people uh, at the Society of American Archaeologists. How should archaeology be presented on TV, and what are the, what are the pitfalls in getting involved in any kind of show? Uh, about archaeology, especially when you know you're you're left to the uh, you're left to the mercy of the editing room and things like this, and everything we try to do so rigorously and so carefully can be uh, just sort of chopped up and and cut into something that that may just look like fluff. Uh, I think that I think that as Chelsea said, our show has has really and, and we've tried very consciously to uh, be aware of all the other what we consider bad stuff. Um, what all the other bad stuff is and to try and uh, circumvent that at every turn, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it, it's, we, are, we are really consciously aware of, of the, the really, in some ways, horrible stuff that's presented out there and how that not only misconstrues how, how scientists and archaeologists and historians approach uh, science, but also just um, you know, how it can misconstrue uh, how, we create, how we create our histories and how we look at ourselves mm-hmm. and, and at our past. So it's, it's part of a larger discussion, definitely. And we will be back with uh, this very fascinating discussion from Time Team America, the PBS arm of archaeological broadcasting, if we want to call it that, <laughs> right after these words. Stay tuned. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Join Dr. Linda Iniguez every week for the Shrink Wrap Forum. This show discusses topics that you wouldn't normally hear in today's media. In the forum, virtually no topic is off-limits. We invite you to join us and participate or dive into the stream where we value independent thought, talk to those people that are making a difference, and explore ideas considered outside the box. The Shrink Wrap Forum can be heard live every Monday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What can you find on Get Real Radio? Well, quite honestly, who you really are. Join host James Robinson each week for a program designed to reveal more about yourself and your world through words of wisdom and profound guests. You'll discover more about the spiritual movement and how it can work with you and alert you to problems you may not be aware of. It will educate, titillate, and enlighten your mind. Get Real Radio is broadcast live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. This could end up being the best time of your week. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're 
listening to Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. To be a part of our discussion today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to indianajonesmythreality at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. This is Joe Schuldenrein, and we are back with the uh, people who are behind the production of Time Team America's special programming for archaeology on public uh, broad, on the public broadcasting TV waves. And um, one of the items that I think we have wrestled with in uh, the conveyance, uh, if you will, of archaeology across the media and who extend to a larger uh, listenership is this entire question of how to popularize the field in a way that's not sensationalistic but uh, nevertheless will bring in people to science which can very occasionally and, 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 and more, probably more than occasionally um, evolve into something that's, that's somebody's specialty and you get into the details and it can be, become somewhat boring and certainly jargonistic, if you will. Um, recalling back the mid-80s, and I think I go back farther than, than most of my esteemed colleagues here, when the Indiana Jones films originally came out, there was an outcry in the archaeological community about popularizing uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and the fact that uh, it was sensationalistic and it was in many cases just flat out wrong. And, and what happened here was that Many of the archaeologists, certainly at that time, were just very cloistered and uh, essentially just discussed these sorts of matters amongst themselves. With the popularity of that program, however, there were a lot of unexpected results. And one of them was that Harrison Ford, for example, at the time, uh, undertook a campaign of publicly broadcasting across a number of radio, radio and television stations against pot hunting. And there was a consciousness of preservation that emerged at the same time, and a much broader message was introduced to the archaeological public and ultimately brought in a tremendous amount of interest in the field. So, Meg, I'd like to get your feelings about how your program and your vision on how archaeology can be popularized and yet at the same time, convey the message of science and that type of productivity that most of us in this field are really striving for. You know, that's that's kind of the uh, the, the the gold ticket right there is is to combine all the elements, and it's actually a uh, a project I did with students of mine that I was teaching a media and archaeology course. <laughs> so I have a lot of different answers for that, but I'll give you my personal answer. Please. Um, I think what makes a good television program, you know, regardless of what the content is, is a good storyline and good dynamic. So the dynamic between the characters that are on screen, you know, there's stuff going on, their personalities, that type of thing. And many times I think um, in more uh, kind of commercial programs and cable programs, which certainly with the diggers and, and, and other, other programs of that ilk, the characters themselves are huge personalities and huge characters, and they carry a lot of the popularity of the program kind of just on their backs, um, regardless of what's going on on screen. I right. think w with, with us working as a team, we're all professional archaeologists. We're all pretty nice. Well, except Alan once in a while, but that was, you know... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Alan. 
but you know, um, so. it was good because in 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 this way we had some dynamic in some of the programs. You'll see, um, you know, we're we're talking about how we're making decisions as part of the program. That's our dynamic. We don't always agree, right? This is as Chelsea said. This is real archaeology. Nothing nothing was made up. Um, so, you know, I think developing a really good dynamic on the program is important. But, but what's very important, again, in contrast to the, to the cable programs um, and, and things that they're developing is, is PBS enables us to focus, and, and the concept of PBS programming enables us to focus really on the ethics of the content of the program, the ethics of archaeology, on the underlying science, and, and reaching out for education. So one of the big goals of the program, really, is to, to help make people more aware of what's going on around them with the archaeology. If you find something in the ground, you know, what do you do? Do you pick it up and sell it? Or do you actually have a pathway that you can follow that maybe you saw a, a TV program, Time Team America, and you've gone to their website, and you can see in our resources page there are a bunch of links about what to do if you find something, or how can you reach out in your community and become involved. So we, with the pro, this isn't exactly answering the hook question, but it's laying the groundwork for, for the, the challenge that we have as Time Team America against some of these other more sensationalized programs is because we, you know, and this is, it's, it's, a, it's a team, teamwork between the production crew at Oregon Public Broadcasting who, you know, who want to do everything the right way, but want to get the ratings. Because so, if you don't get the ratings, you don't continue your program. Exactly. So, Chelsea, let me ask you, what do you see as one of the ways in which you can expand the audience and uh, whether or not you think that a focus on, say, preservation, ethics, science, what would be one of the stronger hooks, if you will, to bring, bring a, a, a larger listenership into the fold? You have to tie it into something they can relate to. So it's been exciting to, you know, go to these different places that have these amazing sites across America. And, you know, like one of them was basically in the D.C. area, like a really urban area, or the middle of Oklahoma. And for people to realize that there's archaeology in their background, in their backyard, you know, there's all these different really exciting stories that they've learned about, you know, or maybe never learned about in history, but they are kind of familiar with some parts of it. So just, you know, finding that, that, you know, like aha moment that kind of like, oh, I kind of heard about this before to tie it in to show how archaeology can really, um, you know, it's, it's not just something that's focused on the past and it's just kind of quaint, but it's something more, you know, that really has ties to, you know, history as we know it and, and America and our, you know, and, and the life that we live now, you know, and the way America is set up and functions. And one of the things to me um, that's been really encouraging, when, when Time Team first aired in 2009, I was terrified um, by how it would be received or how I would be received by my colleagues. I was just starting my professional career. And public archaeology, especially, you know, to this extent, was still not really something that happened that often. And in the several years since the first season um, aired, there's so much more happening out there. There's a lot of people using videos and, and, you know, so much more of a public archaeology presence that I think that, you know, the audience is really getting primed um, 
you know, for a bigger vehicle like Time Team that has, you know, national distribution. So there's a lot of archaeologists working on this now on more local levels that really helps. I was curious as to whether or not you uh, normally, uh, as as specialists, I mean, each obviously each one of you has a special field or a, re- a particular region. Alan, let me ask you, are you able to promote or concentrate on your own particular research and your own particular interest and find this as a a vehicle for conveying that and in some ways learning new aspects of the work that you do that can be applied to a broader listenership or public? Um, No, not really in in a way because most of my work is in Central America. It's a very different kind of uh, approach to archaeology there and everything's different. Um, I just want to, I just want to get into sense though on, on the, the question you, you asked before and then maybe I can come back to this because I think it's a good one. I just think that there, um, there are, well, first of all, anyone who poo-poos Indiana Jones is, that's problematic because that movie did more for archaeology than Top Gun ever did for even naval aviation. That's and that true. was, that was a huge boon to our field. And if you consider that it was set in, 19, in the 1930s when actually archaeology was kind of done that way, um, and you put it in perspective, uh, you know, maybe we can all just chill out a little. But I think if you want to, if, to draw audiences closer, I think, you know, it's, it's narrative and then go, getting into what Chelsea said about, like, why do I care? How does this apply in my life? And in terms of narrative, look, you have to, you have to get into the conflicts between archaeology. Archaeology, as a science, there's constant conflict, I mean, between, between colleagues, in the journals, in, uh, you know, in, in, uh, in, our, in our open meetings and sessions and things like this. People, people get uptight. I think it's good to bring that onto TV. On PBS, you know, in, to be fair, we can't always be... Uh, you know, we can't always uh, present all the conflict that we actually encounter when we're out in the field or on the set uh, because we're trying to make a, you know, a 60-minute show and cut it into something that flows very cleanly and is neat. But, uh, but I think that is one area, narrative with conflict. And then the other one is how to, how to make this applicable in our lives. And I think if you think, if you consider that actually, you know, we, we, there's an archaeology of, of like daily life. You know, our entire lives are, are organized and construed and, and expressed through a relationship to objects and the way objects relate to one another and how we use them. And I think if, 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 if we can, you know, convey to people, look, we are living in, you know, in a kind of mundane day-to-day archaeology of life, you know, and how, how, does, how do objects organize and affect our lives and the way we think about ourselves? You know, from, and, our, and from our garbage, from our garbage to how we dispose of it to, you know, how we live and how we construct our spaces. I mean, I think that's a very powerful tool. I think you're right, but the question is, do you pick the right topics? For example, I don't really need to see on television Midwestern archaeologists discussing what's a better temper for pottery, grit, or shell-tempered <laughs> stuff. Yeah. And, and uh, in that no, respect, but, I think no, one you know, of the accusations... Look at Bill, you know, everybody was, everybody was down on Bill Rafferty 30 years ago when he the did garbage the garbage project. Garbage right. project. But, mm-hmm. and, you know, that's one of the most fascinating, if you really look at the data and look at what they learn about, uh, you know, just how we live and who we are just from looking through yeah. garbage. I mean, it sounds pitiful. <laughs> so it's, That's it's, what we it's, it's, it's wild stuff. Yeah. You know, and if that, I, if that... Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think, um, I think a bit of what Alan is saying is, is something I've actually been thinking about. You know, how do we... Your, your original question is, what's the hook? You know, what, what is going to capture someone's attention in 25 seconds that they're not going to turn that channel? And I think what, what we could... 
um, add to and what we've talked about, but it doesn't fit into the format yet of the program, which continues to evolve with each series, um, if we're lucky enough to get to a third series, is involving some of our, our nighttime talks. Because, you know, we're on site filming all day. We're, there's a lot going on, decision making, we're moving quickly, we're thinking quickly. We do a lot of thinking and talking like every archaeologist does over a nice cool drink at dinner time, at a bar after dinner. And that's where, you know, that's where you really see the personalities of the people coming mm-hmm. out, uh, you know, of the crew, but also where you see some of the problems, like the real problem. We solve the problems at night. And then we go to the field and we recap what we discussed and then we do our work. So, I, you know, I think that would make, you know, would, would make for an even, even more of a hook into the program would to be, um, and we've actually discussed this in the program, to really identify with like Chelsea or with Alan or myself or with Joe Watkins, who's, who's not with us tonight. But, um, you know, I think that would make it even more interesting to people. But I also think, um, to get back to what you said about, you know, it could be really boring to watch people, you know, argue over pottery temper or something but it's really all about how you contextualize what that means like what does it mean that it's shell or whatever you know and so you know sometimes we have to work with fairly mundane artifacts that maybe we wish there was something a little showier but um so you know we really have to do the work of like trying to really synthesize in a way that's meaningful what this means on a larger scale, and that's where the story comes in, you know. So, um, and where the and where the arguments also come in, yeah. and, and those and those bigger arguments are obviously probably more appealing than arguments over temper. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we will be back and continue our very very lively, increasingly lively and dynamic discussion <laughs> after these words. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Voice America presents a new kind of health awareness talk show. The Sharon Kleina Hour. Health, environment, and the power of water. Show host Sharon Kleina interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleina Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Museums are great places to work and wonderful places to visit. But are they essential? How can we improve our museum practice so that museums remain vital and essential players in society? Listen for Museum Life with host Carol Bossert, where each week we'll discuss timely and topical issues of concern to the museum community. Museum Life can be heard live every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're 
listening to Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. To be a part of our discussion today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to indianajonesmythreality at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Since 2009, Time Team America has been a presentation and a program that public broadcasting systems and its subsidiaries across the country has undertaken um, to convey the message of archaeology and to show how archaeology is done on a daily basis and even over the long term. Uh, I think our listenership is quite interested into the actual inner workings of how the TV program is produced and what goes into it, how it's scripted. Alan, why don't you take us into the sort of the back rooms of, of, of the production and how things are staged and done and scripted and how we eventually see what kind of program that eventually makes it way to the screen. Well, I think the first thing to think about is that the, the production really takes place long before even we come on uh, on stage, so to speak. And then when we come, when we become involved as say cast members, and of course Meg, as we mentioned, is involved much earlier because she's been writing grants, and uh, and, and you do with the tech side, she has a lot more on her plate. But uh, so we start meeting and talk about well, you know, what are our options? Where can we dig? Who will have us? Uh, who can we help? How do we go about this? And then we decide on sites. And, uh, and then eventually, then, then of course you have this, this amazing production management team that starts setting up all the details and logistics for how we get there, who goes, we have, there's, I don't know, it's sort of an entourage. At one point, <laughs> at one point I took a picture of us all, this, this, uh, train of cars of, of black SUVs driving down an Oklahoma, uh, you know, county road. And it just looked like, uh, looked like the feds going out to stake a place. <laughs> it really is, um, it really is an office. So in that case, it is an operation, Joseph. But, um, but, uh, yeah, so then we're on site and it's everything, everything comes down to, you know, we're not really scripted. We have rough storylines because this is kind of a science-based reality show. You don't want it to be too tight, too rigid, too set up in advance. We don't know what we'll find. Meg has all this incredible geo, geophysical data. We don't know what that'll look like and we don't know how we'll, you know, what the results will be once we start testing those data. So, uh, so everything is kind of unfolds uh, over a course of days, over hours. We never know exactly what's going to happen. We we have to attend to even details, like weird details. Like for a while, I was wearing a kind of light blue shirt that was throwing off the white balance on uh, on the cameras, and I had to go out and buy new shirts and things like this. So there there are some costume choices that have to be made, but more or less they they leave things open to us. And um, and and by and large, it's just a, it's a it's a huge, complicated, very intense team effort. It's like it's not just it's not just working during the day. We're going, we're going 24 hours for five days. Our minds are, you know, our brains are seething with ideas, and, uh, and there's a lot of conversation off screen that no one ever sees. Mm. But um, anyway. Chelsea, and there's no hair have... and makeup. People always ask us that. I think it would be obvious. But... <laughs> right. I was going to ask that right now. What's no, nobody is making us look beautiful. <laughs> I keep demanding it, but... <laughs> yeah, I think... Um, I think to add to what Alan said, because that's exactly, that's exactly what happens, um, lying underneath all of that, the archaeology side of things, is we have a big scope of work going into this. You know, we do extensive uh, research uh, through the production company, through Oregon Public Broadcasting, ex- uh, site visits, 
prior, I've been out on sites visits to all of the sites prior to filming uh, to talk with the archaeologists to see the lay of the land. You know, we t- we try to we try to come in very focused, but not really knowing what's going to happen in the end because because we have a plan, but we don't really know what's going to happen. It's like but it's like any archaeological research project or any archaeological dig. You do your research. You have your research questions, and, and each of us on camera are, are asked what our questions are, which we develop based on what we've learned about the site and what we've talked to the archaeologists on site about and what, they, what they'd like done. So that's, that's kind of the behind-the-scenes the setup for the program. We come in as knowledgeably as we can and team up with the local archaeologists and work with them on their projects. Um, and then it goes on, like Alan said, rather unknown, sometimes chaotic, <laughs> with very little sleep <laughs> throughout the process. But then, but then what's unique with PBS, at least in my experience, and I've worked with a number of other major production uh, companies, is we have a board of advisors. So they go back, Oregon Public Broadcasting, and they edit and they put all the film together and they have a rough copy of the, the TV show. And they send that out to the board of, of advisors, who are archaeologists, scientists, specialists. And we let look me at ask that, you: How much and, time does mm-hmm. this take? I mean, how much of your individual schedules is involved no. here? Because Alan had indicated, I think, that you're you're doing this stuff five days a week. And and how did do you have a day job? I mean, how does how does all this match? <laughs> well, I was well, I was saying that when when we're actually in production, we're it's it's just full. You know, we're on set on location mm-hmm. five days, uh, three days plus of solid filming. Uh, I see. For, but, but then, uh, so, so that's the, uh, uh, like, like Chelsea has pointed out very clearly, Meg's been much more um, um, involved in depth in the whole process, the, 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 even pre-production, but certainly all the early research, getting the grants, talking to people, visiting the sites ahead of yeah. time. Um, so I have, you know, you're speaking to three people whose sort of uh, responsibilities are uneven, and mine are the least. Chelsea's done tremendous work on the website, uh, which is an incredible resource. And maybe, maybe she could talk a little bit about that. Um, uh, Chelsea, tell us a little bit about that, and tell us about your outreach because the site is obviously very professional and you are gaining a lot of traction through there. Yeah, so, you know, most of us were excited to be part of Time Team, not to be TV stars or anything, but because of the impact it could have on archaeology. So the website is a great way that that impact, you know, um, the legacy of that impact, too. There's a lot of videos that are up there about what is archaeology, what isn't archaeology, you know, how to get involved in your area, you know, a lot of common questions and, and terminology and stuff, as well as enhanced um, information about the sites. And Meg actually has reports for all the geophysical data that she accumulated, and they all have site reports. So there's a lot of um, additional stuff on the website. We wanted to make sure that we didn't just go out there and film for a week, but we followed through on all the stuff that we started as part of this. Um, And in addition, um, as part of the the National Science Foundation grant, there was four field schools conducted um, as part of the the filming as well. Um, They weren't um, on the site with us while we were filming, but they were happening, you know, simultaneously, again, as a way to bring in kids and kind of integrate what we were doing um, directly with with people and inspire and, and educate them about STEM science. Yeah, and out of out of those field schools came 
a, a big series that's on the website of short videos, instructional type videos of most, if not all, of the scientific methods that we use, the instruments, the methodology, um, different specialists, you know, who's a zooarchaeologist? What does a paleoethnobotanist do? You know, right. what's dendrochronology? Like all of that stuff, very intro, very intro, but containing a lot of information, less than three minutes long. And those are being used um, certainly by my colleagues and I know, you know, around the U.S. in classrooms. To, Meg, to let me teach. ask you uh, how you scout out the sites and do you have to coordinate mm-hmm. with principal investigators who have ongoing research projects and how, how does that work? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, we uh, give an enormous amount of consideration and discussion to the sites um, and we don't necessarily pick sites because they're available during the time period we want to film, but we have a whole... Uh, background setup of of kind of they need to check certain boxes. You know, we're looking at uh, relevance. We're looking at making archaeology relevant to the public, to the everyday person. What impacts their life and how can we use a story or tell a story using archaeology that they'll make that connection? You know, and, right. and that's so that kind of gets into, well, <laughs> what does that mean? So we, mm-hmm. we have a whole checklist that we use. And once we determine... Um, at least for like for the third series, I've been putting together a list. If it were to, if it's if we find funding for it, um, and we've put together this list, we've all discussed it, the team members and the production members um, of qualifications. On top of the qualifications, they have to have a hook. What's the storyline? You right, know, of course, yeah. It's a great site, but why should we? You know, why 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 do we want to go there? Why do you want us to come? And how is this really going to engage the curiosity and the imagination of the general public, not the archaeological public? Sure. <laughs> you know, the archaeologists, the professionals, because we, you know, we just get excited. But but the average person, how are they going to really get kind of pulled into this program so that we can keep going? You know, so it's that the TV side, the balance. So I've been I've made a lot of phone calls. Um, to people. We uh, have targeted a few sites, um, but we also have reached out on our Facebook site and asked people to submit suggestions of where, where they would like us to come. And we're very, very open to suggestion. <laughs> you know, the more sites that, like I said, I've been putting a list together, but that's just a base list. It could go anywhere um, by the time we get funding. And, and it's very, we want to represent different time periods, different uh, peoples, you know, who have come to America, who live here, the history, you know, kind of what's going on. And that, that well, point is important, too, because we put a lot of thought into representing the diversity of stories, um, you know, in America and, and making sure that we can try to find sites that reflect that diversity. Um, and so that's another, you know, thing that we're really aware of and, and goes into how can we... Mm-hmm you know, expand on some of the, the larger narratives that happen, you know, with yeah, people. Yeah, I also think tr- it's cool yeah. that like, a lot of the stuff that is available online, like all our episodes, I know I, I have countless colleagues who use Time Team episodes for teaching in universities and colleges. I mean, this is widely done, and also in high schools. Mm. So, so, I mean, this is a, you know, yeah, we're able to be on, uh, you know, PBS nationally and things like this, but the idea that people can get online and stream these videos and teach with them and, and young kids, I mean, I think it's a, it's a fascinating resource, and I'm so glad it's a part of what we do. 
do you try to find a, an archaeological site in the process of excavation, or do you actually go to sites that are dormant, or mm. how does that work? We've, we're, we're developing, like I said, we're an evolving, you know, evolving equation is what Time Team America is, is doing, and we are focusing at this point on sites that are ongoing. Uh-huh. So sites that have some information, it doesn't have to be a lot, um, but some information, but, but that have an active crew, at least for that season, that we would be out on. Right, um, of in, course. In the, in the first series, yeah. we did our own um, out in, where was it, Chelsea? South, South Dakota. South Dakota. Um, and we worked with a state archaeologist out there and just brought the team out and did everything ourselves, which is what Time Team originally in the U.K. did. Uh-huh. But we, but we're not doing that over. We're, you know, we're a different audience. We're a different people, a different archaeology in the U.S. And we're really trying to, to show examples of, of, like I said, you know, all all the different things on our checklist. And in order to really effectively do that with four of us, time team, team members, we need to work with each site expert. You know, each each site has their knowledge base and. And we come in and try to complement that, um, but it's but it's essential and central to the actual program itself. And the diversity uh, in America is so vast, mm, both mm. the span of time the archaeology covers and the types yeah. of sites. So we are not experts in you know each of us might have our own area of expertise, but mm. definitely we're not going to be experts in all the sites we visit. So it's very important to. Um, <laughs> know our limitations and work with the, the resources and just, you know, like Meg said, enhance rather than, you know, try to just go in and do it all ourselves. Well, yeah, and find also that we can be a great contribution to, uh, to regional local archaeology around the country and really help people out, bring them resources they simply won't have access to for largely for funding reasons otherwise. Exactly. And we will and be back with our final segment after these words. Stay tuned. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Tune in to Patricia Raskin Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call in to Patricia Raskin Positive Living Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. It's practical, positive solutions for a happy, empowered, and successful life. Ooh, are you happy with just accepting and passing along what the media, politicians, and government are feeding you? Or are you positively sick of it? It's time to get the real facts and form your own decisions. It's time to awaken the sleeper within you. Each week, host Dr. Nick Castellano will uncover various viewpoints and topics designed to inform and present the truth. Today's masses are manipulated by media coverage, and we will not become sheeple. Tune in to Awaken the Sleeper, Thursdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it. 
listening to Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. To be a part of our discussion today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to indianajonesmythreality at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. We're back with our final segment on Time Team America, the program for archaeology in on the public broadcasting systems uh, networks and and uh, subsidiaries. And um, we were talking during the break about the types of programs that seem to f- have large followings. And Chelsea Rose, you were mentioning the uh, Henson site, the Josiah Henson site, if I'm not mistaken. Why don't you tell us a little bit of the appeal that that, that site has and the types of sites generally that are drawing attention and that uh, are raising certain comment in the, in the, uh, in the viewership? Sure. Um, the Henson site is um, located in Maryland, uh, in Bethesda, Maryland, and it's a, it's a park, a county park. And so it's open to the public, and um, there's been a lot of great response to the work there because um, we were really able to help them. Um, they, we did CRM archaeology there, basically. They needed to kind of inventory the types of archaeology that they had on their site, um, and they didn't have a lot of funding, so we were able to go there, and there happened to be this fantastic story there. Um, Josiah Henson um, was enslaved at this plantation, um, in what is now Bethesda, Maryland, and um, he escaped and, and wrote a memoir that was very powerful, still is very powerful, um, and was the basis or an inspiration for Uncle Tom's Cabin, the character of uh-huh. Uncle Tom. And um, so the story is incredible, and being able to um, kind of explore that narrative and, and to look, you know, to really try to get into the ground um, into that time period was was pretty exciting, and and the time team work there brought a lot of much needed um, attention to this park, which led to them getting some grants and some um, funding, which is helping them really, um, you know, kind of interpret and share that story with the public. Meg Waters, tell us a little bit about uh, the grant process and how you how you go about getting funding and who seems to be interested in that sort of thing. Well, we really uh, specifically targeted the uh, Na- National Science Foundation with the second series. Um, we didn't. I think. I think uh, the the woman at Oregon Public Broadcasting is is very very familiar with all the different types of grants that are out there, and I think she uh-huh. thought that was the one that we wanted to really focus our energy on. Um, so so we wrote one very well. If anyone's written a grant for the NSF for a few million dollars. You know, it's it's a it's a it's a very long drawn out process um, with a lot very of people contributing. Very arduous. Yeah. Very very arduous. Yeah. That's but but wonderful true, yeah. when you get that call, you oh, know, yeah. saying yes, <laughs> we like your idea. So so that's really the the focus, and we continue now for the third season to explore a number of opportunities for funding. And Alan, you had mentioned that one of the programs that uh, generated a lot of buzz was uh, Civil War excavations. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I don't know if we've mentioned yet, but our our shows air nationally next Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, on PBS. And we're really excited about that. We'll have back-to-back shows. And and yeah, that show is about uh, Camp Lawton, a Civil War prisoner uh, prisoner camp in Georgia. 
uh-huh. uh, and it was it was basically it was a it was a Confederate. The Confederates built it for uh, Union prisoners, and they didn't get to use it very long because Sherman Sherman marched through the sea just about uh, six weeks after it went into use. But it was Camp Lawton was immense. It was the answer to the horrible conditions at the Ander- Andersonville uh, mm-hmm. Confederate prison in South Carolina. So it was this new, uh, you know. <laughs> kind of new gig, new technology prisoner war camp that was demolished very quickly after when to use, but that was a boon for our archaeology, and I think for the future of archaeology at Camp Lawton, because they had to pick up and move the prisoners so quickly, because Sherman was on the roll. And it was just, it was a fascinating and exciting experience, and, and I think that the power of, of geophysics really came through in that. Um, mm. It was real highlight for Meg. She was able to uh, really help them identify the stockade walls of the prison, and as mm-hmm. you know, as, as, as an archaeologist, once you you know we move from the known to the unknown. Once we could figure out, wow, we have all these these uh, these drawings and sketches of, of the prison, and, and they're on maps and things like this, but we had no idea what the limits were. We had no idea what the boundaries were. Now we have that. So uh, we also, you know, through the geophys, managed to make that area of Georgia the uh, the most highly geo referenced area of or piece of land <laughs> in the entire state, literally. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and uh, no and so so there are all these exciting things and, and of course all the little things we found and the way we fleshed out the history of uh, the north south relations at that particular mm-hmm. site. Meg so Waters, that- we just have two minutes left here. I just want to know what your vision is for this show going forward, and if you could let the listenership know on how to get in touch with it through your website and what's, uh, what programs to stay tuned for in the next few se- a few weeks for your upcoming season. Great. Absolutely. So we're broadcasting on the 19th and 26th of August. So those are both Tuesdays uh, next week and then the following week. And the programs are showing back-to-back, two each night, and it starts at 8 o'clock, so 8 to 10 o'clock for those two nights. Um, people can come and please visit and look around our website because it's, it's, just, uh, it's, it's been a pleasure to work with and, and put together, and it's very exciting to see the resource uh, that it offers. And you can watch the TV shows on the website right now if you'd like to, and that's the URL for that is www.pbs.org forward slash time dash team, and that'll, that'll take you right there. Um, I think, and, and i just like to, to do the plugs, please everybody watch and tell all your friends and all your family and all your colleagues and all your students to watch <laughs> because the, the better the ratings uh, for the program, the higher likelihood that, that we will have a chance to come back for a third season um, and, and really do, another, you know, to continue to evolve and do a really great show and work with the archaeologists uh, across the United States. I think part of our vision for the program is, is we've been talking with the Society of American Archaeology, the Archaeological Institute of America, you know, kind of as organizations um, within the U.S. And, and internationally with the AIA, and, and have their support for doing this and, and have member support generally for doing it as well. And, and I think part of our vision is to really continue doing archaeology, you know, as, an, as a TV show, but to, to create this program and continue developing this program that's going to grab the attention and engage the public. And on that note, we're going to have to close the program. Thank you very much, Alan Macca, Chelsea Rose, and Meg Waters. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks again for tuning in to Indiana Jones, Myth, 
Reality and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. Please join us for another unique journey into the past next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. In the meantime, think about the past with an eye towards the future and a better tomorrow. Tomorrow. 